Welcome to the Future of Fright, your listening destination for all things queer, new, interesting, and innovative in horror. My name is Leslie, and this week's special guest, Angela Kim, returns. You may remember her from episode four, which remains our most listened to episode, which honestly makes me think that I should retool the podcast completely and we should just become co-hosts of a totally new podcast. Ooh, so make my dreams come true. Hey, don't tempt me. I actually think that would be pretty cool. We wouldn't do it on a weekly basis because that would be a little. We'll workshop this. Yeah. So, okay, before we start, so we're talking about Train to Busan, which is Mm -hmm. an awesome movie. Everyone loves it. Um, But before we talk about that, I have to ask you, since you do the whole true crime thing are Mm -hmm. you following this this gabby (gasps) yes i i haven't been following it as much as i should but i know that like lifestyle influencers who do the like the i live in a van thing they were engaged and doing the whole i live in a van thing and then they come back and she's missing yeah, they went on a road trip. They were like vlogging it, and then he came back alone. And now he's missing too. But but he's he's he's, he's like on the run, right? Yeah. Um, but the weird thing is, there was a domestic violence call. Right? Yes, where like, she was the aggressor. Mm-hmm. But also very upset. Yeah, so something's going on. He probably did it. I'd put money mm-hmm. on it. I think a lot of people would. Um, I do find it really interesting, though, that, you know, we've, for the past few years or whatever, especially in terms of Black Lives Matter and all of that, people have been very, like, cab, abolish the police. And then the second, like, a little white girl goes missing, everyone on Twitter is like, they should put him under the jail the police should arrest him as soon as possible and they should snipe him as soon as like this desire for revenge and this desire for like the same old kind of policing and and imprisoning people that we've been doing I don't know it seems kind of disappointing but she was blonde and so skinny yeah she was blonde and skinny and like 22 oh shit I can't like you know we can't talk badly about her even in like a wider context of a criticism about racial injustice because you know she's probably dead so oh she's super dead yeah I'll go ahead and say that um yeah her ass is is out there in that Utah desert somewhere uh dead as hail so speaking of dead things (laughs) (laughs) we're terrible okay all right she's you know it's it's already happened we didn't do it anyway yeah he did but okay go on <laughs> he super did um okay so we're talking train to busan which is a yeah. 2016 south korean mm-hmm. zombie movie it's super focused in both its setting because it takes place on this train from seoul station to busan and it's very focused on its characters because it it's got a small group of passengers that it really follows but it's really about this father and daughter pair there's Mm -hmm. um siok Mm woo who is the like businessman dad who's too busy for family and Mm sue ann who is the the daughter i don't know how old she's supposed to be she just she has her birthday in the film um now all children are children age so yeah she's like uh, six maybe i don't know we we can assume 14 i don't know yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> all children are are toddlers essentially um so this movie is is pretty like universally loved it's it's pretty mm-hmm. much hailed it's like a an iconic like the perfect zombie movie so I'm interested to know I mean I'm interested to hear what you think about it like why you think it works so well what parts of it are so worthwhile you know do you think it's it's a horror movie or like a family drama like what is going on with this movie so why did you pick it well so I do a lot of Korean American studies that's kind of like what I'm focusing my research on right now and Somehow, um, in Korean American studies, the idea of like the zombie is pretty reoccurring, or like I think in Asian studies in general. And I thought I could actually contribute some insight, like for one. So I was like, ah, oh, I gotta jump on this and um, make sure it's recorded so that people know. <laughs> Just to give you a quick and dirty of um, some of the insight I think I can contribute is that. During all this COVID um, pandemic stuff, there was a lot of anti-Asian hate. And when we think of contagion and when we hear stories about like a zombie outbreak, it has, it's been um, skinned, racially skinned at this uh, moment to be Asian. I think it's interesting because in this like cinematic, like US imaginary, zombies have become these collectivistic Asian factory workers, contagious, all of those things wrapped into one. And I thought in a lot of ways, this movie was like a reclamation of those kind of motifs with a lot of commentary on America, globalism, and it aestheticized the zombie in a more favorable way, I guess, if that makes sense. Ooh, I'd love to hear more about that. But but I think you are absolutely right. Like, I don't think listeners will have to look very far for examples of how zombies are representative of outbreak, of course, or representative of, of contagion, and how that has been racially coded, especially, you know, since since this pandemic, as, you know, contagion being an Asian uh, mm-hmm. like sourced thing. So, so I think that makes perfect sense. And the fact that this was, you know, doing that all the way back in 2016, like mm-hmm. this isn't a new thing for us, right? This isn't just mm-hmm. a, a COVID born thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in your thoughts about how the zombies are coded as, as like favorable to the audience, how the audience mm-hmm. is meant to maybe even identify with these zombie characters maybe yeah so I think the big difference is that usually in films of like we'll take the movie contagion for example the it is about a white family and kind of protecting uh the white nuclear family and what like the very normative right and then the blame is assigned to unhygienic cooking in China right so what we see predominantly is whiteness being centered and the Asian horde. But in this movie, what we see, I think, is really first kind of almost like a travel brochure of like, look at Korea. Look how beautiful, pristine, clean, civilized it is 
so tech savvy. It is so globalized and it really is like, see what Korea is. And I think it's a pretty good reflection of like the highlight reel of what Korea can be, you know? No, mm -hmm. keep going, keep going. So we see the humanity and we see also like the Western definition of like very civilized culture, wealth and things like that. Yeah. So I was just thinking Contagion does that. World War Z does that as well. Mm -hmm. We get Brad Pitt with his white family and there the uh, virus starts in China, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So so same, same. But you're absolutely right that not only is Korea as a nation kind of shown off to be this really clean and civilized, quote unquote, like, you know, tech savvy place, but the people, like the characters that we see, I mean, in the beginning, uh, when they're on the train, we see them like giving up their seats for one another. We see them like one a, a girl comes down the aisles and she's already been infected, but no one wants to cause a ruckus or like mm-hmm. say anything because mm-hmm. they don't want to be impolite to this girl who's clearly sick or is going through something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though it ends up costing them, there's such a a humanity shown here and such a like community mindedness Mm -hmm. shown here. And of course the character that we are as audiences trained to hate throughout this film is the one who, who bucks against that is the one who is not community minded is the Mm -hmm. one who does not have empathy for others. So I think you're right that it really shows this is like, you know, these are the, these are the best people and they're just average everyday citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think especially in light of what's happening in COVID in the U.S., it's obvious that we can't say the same, right? Mm-hmm. If the very same plot took place, you know, on any given train or public transportation in the U.S., everyone's dead. Everyone's dead mm-hmm. instantly, right? So, yeah, I think I think you make a good point of, of how the movie really sells South Korea and sells these characters as like lovable as as something that we that we care for deeply. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about like collectivism, individualism, right, Korea well, Asian countries, let's, let's make a grand generalization. It's like collectivistic cultures. Right. And maybe this is just my U.S. mindedness looking at this film, but I don't really think so because so much of Korea is tied into the U.S., you know? So much of Korean culture has been shaped by the U.S., South Korean culture, very directly, you know? You can see that in all the media that's produced there and the subcultures that are produced there, like America Town, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, but I think uh, when we're talking about the main character, the father, he's a hedge fund manager. And I think in a lot of ways, he shows the Korean man infected by U.S. individualism, capitalist ideals. And the movie continually says, fuck that, go back to collectivistic, go back to family. And it's interesting because zombie movies, when they're racialized as Asian, it uses collectivism as a critique of Asian culture. But in this one, it's kind of a critique on individualism. Absolutely. When we think about zombies, we think about them as hordes of zombies. A single zombie mm-hmm. is never a threat. 
it's the hundreds and thousands of zombies all at once that is the threat. So yeah, absolutely, that that collectivism gets critiqued in zombie films typically. But in this one, you're right. The dad is a head is a hedge fund manager. You know, has no time for his kid. Buys her two wees without like thinking about it. Is shown at one point. He's like arguing on the phone, and and he like very prominently has Burger King in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then even on the train, there's like the baseball team, and there's and then of course our our like villain character that we have, whose name I cannot remember. He is similarly very individualistic. Pull yourself mm-hmm. up by your bootstraps. All of these kind of Western ideas that we have about, you know, what it means to be a self, right? What it means to be an individual agent. And the Mm -hmm. film rejects all of that. The film says that what is worthwhile is how we interact with one another and how we depend upon and rely on one another, which is something that zombie movies don't typically do and something that even horror movies don't typically do. I mean, even in other horror movies and horror franchises, you have a single individual survivor and everyone else mm-hmm. dies you know in the in the reaction to something scary happening is well let's split up and handle this on our own mm-hmm. and there is something really worthwhile i think about no we're going to handle this together because it's the only way we make it mm-hmm. that's i in all of horror i feel like zombie movies oftentimes are the genre in which the most social critique happens. And when we're thinking about like the original zombie movies, they're always like set in malls or supermarkets to critique consumerism. And I feel like this is a critique of not globalism per se, but like the American ideals that are counter to Korean old school ideals. And specifically the kind of capitalist mindset, Um, especially because we learn later on that these capitalist pursuits are what caused the outbreak in the first place. Right, that it's it's not, you know, in some of these other movies, it's like a random virus or or uncleanliness or or whatever. Uh, And here we find out that that's not the case. It's actually, you know, the result of shady business happenings. And I think to your point, like the setting, right? Other zombie movies are set in malls. And this one is set on public transportation, which feels mm-hmm. significant, right? Like the the fact that they're that this country or that these people even have a super developed and really reliable public transportation system that is used by a diverse public, mm-hmm. I think says a lot, right? Yeah. It's called, uh, they specifically need to core rail, like Korean rail- railways. Nice. There were like little things that they dropped in that made it seem very much like a comment on Korean culture. Like when the guy's ringtone um, goes off, right? And the main character's like, why is your ringtone so tacky? It's um, like basically the equivalent of like, God bless America. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I also, the reason I find this so fascinating is when I see it as someone who is both Korean American, but also I feel like I have some knowledge about Korean history. I feel like all of this, this movie is really founded on um, some of Korea's like collectivistic memories, especially um, in regards to the Korean War with this whole movement, like they're on a train and 
they are moving towards Busan, which is kind of like the most southern part. And they keep giving you updates on where they are, you know, and they're just moving more and more south. And it reminds me of when the border between North Korea and South Korea, it was being negotiated by opposing world forces, right? And there was this mass flee southward, you know, and families were split up. You didn't know if like your family was dead. You didn't know there was so much bloodshed all around. And I really feel like if a Korean person watched this movie, there's an extra something, you know, because it's like engages with that cultural memory. I think that's fascinating that like that the movie works for global audiences everyone can watch it and enjoy it and find it worthwhile but that for south koreans to watch it is to see the the diaspora of the korean war reenacted for you mm-hmm. on screen mm-hmm. and even though it's reenacted you know with the threat of zombies rather than like warfare or invasion it's still there and it's still tapping into that and it's still kind of saying to viewers like we haven't forgotten, right? Mm-hmm. And that there's a unifying something there. There's something here that holds us together beyond just, you know, our, our cultural norms or whatever. Yes, very fitting for a movie that focuses so much on collectivity. And there is one line, um, well, part of it is like the media, you see like some propaganda going around, right? And um, another one is the the older ladies, right? Which I think is pretty funny because they're not older ladies, but in order to do all the physical comment, like the physical action, they had to really dress up some very young ladies. But um, they were looking at the media and they're like, oh my God, people riot over everything nowadays. If this was back in the day, they'd be re-educated. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, you have this older, like you have such a generational striation, right? Mm -hmm. And, and And we get to see the older generation who's like very much tapped into what was just the recent past for them of the Mm -hmm. Korean War. And then you get Mm -hmm. um, our main character's generation who has become this like globalized capitalist. And Mm -hmm. then you see Suan who's who's just a kid and and the implication or or even maybe the baseball players who are um, a high school team. And we get to see like this kind of suggestion of you know, what will come next or what mm-hmm. will we be in the future? Because because even at the end, right, the only survivors are Sue Ann, who is very little, and then the pregnant woman, who's yes. like the image of a pregnant woman is all possibility, right? It's all, yes. what is the future going wow. to be? Yeah, that's a fascinating thing. Yeah, you're totally right. I didn't think about that, but you're so right. It's talking, if we're, um, if they're capitalizing on like this collectivistic memory of the past and wars and riots and Korean trauma, it really is a critique of that. But then also the pregnant woman, the little girl is like the future. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with that. That's so great. And I think the film, and, and I'd like to hear your thoughts, but I think the film ends really hopeful about mm-hmm. the future. Like I think in a different movie, when the girl and the woman are walking through the tunnel at the end, in a different movie, they would have been shot and that would Mm -hmm. be the end. Like there's no hope, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, the little girl starts singing and she starts singing Aloha Oi, right? Which is like farewell until we meet one another again or whatever. Um, and, And the soldiers like recognize that, oh my God, these are 
people, these are survivors and we need to help mm-hmm. them, right? So I think it ends on a, on a weirdly hopeful note of the future, despite this trauma, because Sue Ann has suffered a ton of trauma throughout this, this mm-hmm. trip, like despite this trauma, there is a future and there is a future worth working towards and, and hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that imagery, it's interesting that when I, you know what those times when you're convinced by someone else's interpretation of it, even though your interpretation was different, like I am totally convinced by your take on it. And it's funny because when I was um, watching that, I guess I was distracted from all the hopefulness because it looked to me so much like the demilitarized zone between um, North and South Korea. Yes. You know, it's like shoot if you're not sure kind of attitude, you know? Yeah, and and it looks so much like um, images of of I mean Korean women and children, right? Like we've got this this pregnant woman and this small little girl who are like I think by the end they're dirty and they're bloody and they're mm-hmm. just kind Basically of like refugees. Yeah. They are refugees, exactly. And we're getting this image of Korean refugees facing down snipers, mm-hmm. and I, I mean it is a perfect one for one snapshot, right? And yet again, I I mean. Yeah, I think I think both reads, but they do recognize their humanity and they bring them mm-hmm. in and they they help them to safety. Um, and of course, the little girl like has has her mother there in Busan and has somewhere to go. So it's mm-hmm. ultimately like we know that she will be reunited instead of like separated. I don't. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I want to hear your take. You have a different take. No, it's, I not, hear it. it's not my take. It's just like it was like a plot hole in my mind because you're right, her mom is in Pusan, right? But then why is why what why the hell is she not picking up her phone? Yeah, that's true. They Maybe don't say anything about her, no, she's just looking at her phone, going like this is gonna be like really dramatic. I'm doing the suspense. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, they don't say anything about like the phones being down or anything, do they? No. Yeah, and I guess I and you know ultimately we don't know if her mom, like how safe Busan is and who made it, and yeah, that is true. My favorite character was uh, the jacked guy because of course, it was. of course I like course. the. Um, He's smart enough to wrap his arms, right? And yeah, but why did he take the blazer off? I understand he took his man scarf off and like the blazer, but I'm like, come on, just kind of rip the blazer a little bit for mobility purposes, but keep it on. Well, you have to show audiences the goods. You got to show yeah. them the arms, which is kind of rare um, because you don't really see that kind of masculinity. That's not like what you think of when you think of Korean masculinity. Like uh, the hedge fund manager, right? He's more of like Korean masculinity. Interesting. I think it's interesting because the three uh, male characters, like baseball player, high school, cutie boy, uh, Jack dude, and father represent three different types of Korean masculinity. That are all produced as, as being acceptable to audiences? Yeah, it's like wealth and like brawn, which is like an idealized brawn that doesn't get showcased a lot. And the cutie boy. You can always recognize a Korean cutie boy by the fact that he has a much nicer complexion than you, you know? His skin was ideal. It was, it's so ridiculous. No, I think that's an interesting point. And like the, the father, of course, has to be adjusted slightly, right? Like the, the movie is about him realizing that business and wealth are only any good 
insofar as they let you connect with your family and your community and so on. But that is interesting that we do get these three different types of men with three totally different looks and three different body types and three different versions of how to be manly. And each of them is is ultimately acceptable. Mm-hmm. I think that even though the father was the main character, I think it's interesting how much time was dedicated to the Jack bro, because I think that is also kind of trying to paint Korea in a different light or the Asian community in a different light than is usually seen. You don't really see like, when you think of Korea and Korean masculinity, a jack dude is not like the first thing that comes to mind, you know? So I thought that was cool. Like it's kind of kind of trying to reintroduce, like introduce a different type of masculinity into the media, I guess. Yeah. And he, if I'm remembering correctly, he's like specifically acknowledged as being working class, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not, he's not wealthy. So this idea of like a working class, like I I do uh blue collar labor kind of mm-hmm. kind of make man. a little dirty joke sometimes. Yeah, right. And he's got this this pregnant wife of course, which is why we care about them so much. The depiction of women in the movie. We get mom who we never see. Mm-hmm. Um there's Sue Ann who's a little girl. Mm-hmm. There's the pregnant wife and then there's the cheerleader. I don't think she's a cheerleader. I think she's she like goes along cool with the with the baseball team. Yeah, she's like the cool girl who's allowed with the boys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't think of like what yeah. she's actually there for. Why yeah, does she get to travel? You're with right. The team? She has no purpose. She really doesn't. <laughs> well, but but we get these women who I don't know. I mean, how do you read them? Ultimately, they they seem like they are there to be protected Mm, mm. although although that's not fair because one is a little girl which obviously has to be protected and then one is a pregnant woman who who like physically cannot contribute much and cannot do much yeah I think that this is a very I think you know you have very discerning eyes because whatever I'm gonna make fucking generalizations come at me Koreans but um (laughs) but I think this is very like what this is what Korean femininity is like you know what I mean it's like that feisty Korean girl you know what I mean you're allowed to be feisty like the wife is like feisty you know she's like I was taking my time in the bathroom get your ass here and stuff like that right and the little girl is feisty because she talks back to her dad in some ways and the purposeless non-cheerleader girl is feisty because she's like, I like you. Why can't you just take a compliment? Blah, 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 right? So it kind of allows women to not be one-dimensional characters, but still make them one-dimensional characters. Yeah, I mean, they have each each of the women in the movie, all of the women that we see have their own wants and desires. They have their own agency. They're able to name what they want and they're able to tell people around them to to fuck off or whatever, which is, you know, more than a lot of female characters get. They're not really allowed to be physical in the same way that the men are. I think that it's kind of almost like a, it's like a pretend show of like, we're not sexist because our women are feisty, but uh, it's just a guise of like, you know, like the limitations are exactly the same, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> the end of the day, you have pregnant women. like you can be pregnant wife you can be daughter you can be high school crush like yeah also the high school crush girl she like 
gnaws at his neck, you know, because he died to protect her and blah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So this movie is like wildly popular and everyone seems to love it, except from my boyfriend. He always tells me he's going to watch these Korean movies with me and he like closes his eyes, but he says he's listening. The Korean? And he, he falls asleep. He's like, I swear, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, li- I'm following. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm learning Korean. Hello. Yeah. He said that during Parasite. He was like, don't worry, babe. Oh, I'm that listening. That is another great one. <laughs> Have you seen um, The Wailing? No. It's. I'd be interested to hear you and maybe Maria talk about it. it I mean, it's a Korean movie about like possession and things like that. Ooh. But in, in spoilers, at, in the end, we find out that it is a Japanese man who is the source of all of this oh, oh my God. trouble, right? Like he's the demon who is the source of like all of the trouble for these, for these Korean people. So I'd be, I'd be fascinated to hear that reading. When was this movie out? Because Korea never forgets. Uh, this movie, The Wailing, is from 2016. So same year as it's Train to Busan. like... Hey, what's up? I'm Korean. Hey, what's up? I'm Korean. Hey, remember Japanese imperialism? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be fascinated because I mean, obviously, I don't I don't know enough to to speak to it, but but it's an interesting movie. It's a weird one. Um, but yeah, so I mean, what else is there about yeah. about Train to Busan that you? Oh wait, no, you were you were making a point about how how this movie is universally loved. Yeah, this is you like this movie is universally loved and blah 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 and. Parasite was fucking loved too. And I am so curious as to what the appeal is for non-Korean people. Because Mm. I think the movie's cool and awesome and whatever. And like the movie Okja was cool and awesome and whatever, right? But I can't, I guess I'm not like cultured enough to watch like foreign films. So I, it's so confusing to me how like Korean culture that's not dubbed over or like BTS, like that there still is an appeal, even with a, like a language hurdle. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I can't speak to the-, the like, Speak to case. all of the US. Okay. No, no, no. I will. I will. <laughs> don't worry. I'll, I'll generalize like a motherfucker. <laughs> no, I, I can't speak to the K-pop or the K-drama um, success just because I'm, I'm not in- those circles like I don't know enough about about that what a shame it's like you're not even my friend I know I'm really missing out (laughs) recommend me some and I'll I'll I don't know any (laughs) I like I watched the Blackpink documentary and that's like as far as I got are you kidding me I did really (laughs) it was a slow Netflix day (laughs) anyway but I think and and now this is again a huge generalization and it may be totally wrong it's your podcast whatever (laughs) you're damn right it is (laughs) (laughs) I really do think that American audiences specifically and and I think global audiences in general we want so badly all of the time to identify with the good guy right to identify with the protagonist and I think what the South Korean movies that you have listed, Okja, Parasite, Train to Busan, I think what they- another one like the Snow Flower or whatever. Okay. It has that guy who plays Captain America in it. Oh, um, Evan? Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah. Has Chris Evans in it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, these, but these movies have such 
an overt, I think, and obvious good guy and obvious bad guy. And mm-hmm. I don't think it matters that. So like the moral of Train to Busan, as we've kind of been saying, is collectivism has its has its pros. Community is good. The only way we survive this shit is by looking out for one another. That's the mm-hmm. total and direct opposite of typical American ideals and values. Mm-hmm. America is all about, I'm an individual. I don't need anyone else. I shouldn't even have to pay taxes for public things because I can mm-hmm. take care of my own. And mm-hmm. yet... When an American watches a movie where there is an obvious, like, good guy and bad guy, you know, we have this father who we care deeply about, and the movie takes every opportunity to show us that we should care about him and that he's doing good things, people want to identify with that very strongly. Same with Parasite, which is a direct um, critique of, like, capitalism and class and Mm -hmm. all of these, like, really specific power struggles and you know, rich people and all of these things that Americans idolize and aspire to. And yet when you're watching it, it's so obvious, I think, who the bad guys are that you're like, yeah, fuck them, fuck Mm -hmm. rich people, even though that's totally opposite to how you live your everyday life. So Mm -hmm. I think it has to do with the fact that these South Korean stories are just good stories. Like they're well constructed mm-hmm. narratively and they say, here's here's our protagonist, here's our antagonist, you know, here's what our protagonist does to overcome our antagonist. And people watch that and they recognize that narratively and they're like, Yeah, I really identify with that. Until you talk about it as as as, you know, what it actually is, and you see that those things don't line up at all. Yeah. And I think what's great that's so hard to communicate is like a Korean sense of humor right because and I think that these movies if they were more and more desaturated the U.S. culture more and more you'd be able to see a Korean sense of humor a Korean sense of humor is like it's so hard to explain to someone but it's kind of like uh if I walked up to you and I was like oh Leslie got a little fat huh huh you know (laughs) okay all right private they just it's like such charming assholeness you know yeah yeah and like this is so common it's so like oh you have beautiful eyes you got a little surgery or something like, i don't know yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh you finally fixed that fucking nose huh good yeah, great yeah. <laughs> looking good exactly. huh. do you see that coming through in these movies yeah or no? a little bit yeah like um when the three men are like stuck in the bathroom they're like he's like how tall are you? Or like, I don't know. There's like little moments or like in parasites more obvious, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard to describe, but it's, it's but very like working class kind of humor. Well, and I think it also like speaks back to the interest in like community and collectivism, right? Like if the pros of community are that we make it through this together and that we take care of each other, then the cons are that like we are hyper aware of one another and that mm-hmm. we like notice and nitpick one another, right? That we like police each other a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if someone is is out of step, then we will jokingly or, or quirkily or, you know, cutely call them out on it in mm-hmm. a way. Yes, yes. I agree with everything you say. No, don't it's not I'm just saying shit this isn't but you made me sign the contract before we started this podcast I did yeah <laughs> um and it was an NDA so you're actually not allowed to talk about it so. ah, 
Yeah, <laughs> you will but be hearing from my lawyer. I'm so glad that there's uh, these movies being circulated, especially in like this hyper aesthetic way that is likable to U.S. audiences. Because Korea is like, it's so awesome. It's so great. I'm so proud to be Korean, but it's also a fucking shit show. Like North Korea, I'm not even going to fucking get into that. But like South Korea, it's like the highest rate of suicide and plastic surgery. And there's a bunch of like, classism elitism kind of like all the highlight reels of america and also i think that's why this kind of cultural production is pretty pretty interesting also like when north koreans go to south korea they're not actually treated very welcomed and a lot of people say that north koreans and south koreans look different that north koreans are darker Basically, racism and colorism exists everywhere. You know how it is. The lighter and you are. I assume that that is exacerbated by like Western influence. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So it's like this funny thing where it criticizes American, just Americanisms, right? But, but also highlights how Korea has all of these things, you know? There's a lot of like circular ironies going on. I thought it was interesting that the girl was darker skin. It was what I'm trying to get at because it mm. made me think. Um, because they say North Koreans look different, North Koreans look different, and that uh, North Korean defectors are always like, no, we don't actually look different. It's just we don't have sunscreen and all that stuff that you guys do in South Korea, and we do hard labor and our lives suck. So I thought it was interesting that the the girl was of a darker complexion because Korean beauty standards, you know, the the pregnant woman, she's like Korean beauty standards, you know what I mean? Right. Light skinned, thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that. It made me think of like this North Korean girl refugee uh, getting past the demilitarized zone. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like there's so much, the fleeing, the refugee, like that's, that's all throughout this one. Do you think, I mean, hmm, I assume it was. This movie was made with global audiences in mind, you think? I I think in Korea, that's usually the case. Okay. Yeah. And the cinematics are very like, you know, I don't want to owe everything to the West, but I felt like there was like some Tarantino influences and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Ah, were there specific moments that that made you think that? Like when the Jack dude was all like, oh, and he does like a, a double kick and Anthony didn't watch the movie with me, but he watched that five second clip like 10 times. And I was like, calm yourself. Okay. If this was me going on, like get to train 13 and you'd be like, fuck you. Get to me. I'm delicate. <laughs> That's what he would say. Fair enough. Yeah. Why do you think, I mean, I, I guess a lot of South Korean media is exported. So I guess it makes sense that a lot of their media would be made for global audiences yeah i would say that culture is like one of south korea's biggest exports you know oh absolutely right people who know nothing else about korea like watch k-dramas and listen to Mm k-pop and and that's a a universal thing for sure it's it's very interesting to see that change come about because that like certainly was not the case um in my lifetime, all of my lifetime, this is like a new thing. And it's very odd to think that Koreans as such popular cultural producers, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. 
I wonder. Hmm. It was a time with literally the only thing people knew about Korea was like Korean barbecue. You know. Hmm. Wait, do you not know Korean barbecue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The where you cook it at your table and all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the extent of my <laughs> knowledge. Um, but you know, I, I assume kind of as we've been talking about the globalization impact, like. I assume that's a double-edged sword, right? Like on the one hand, you get to export your culture globally and, and make money and, and sort of do all of that. But on the other hand, like more of your culture becomes aligned with, right? Like like your actresses are skinny and light-skinned and you're, mm -hmm. you know. Oh yeah, like, and if you do like before and after things, like the whole thing is that everyone who is popular from South Korea has done a crazy amount of surgeries. There's a bunch of sexual exploitation, um, assault and abuse to make these precise, perfect robotic dancers and singers who are always perfect. A lot of like, what do you think goes into that creating that, you know? Yeah, I mean the, I mean the Blackpink documentary, like I said, it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a weird Netflix day for me, but what was so fascinating was that these young women who many of them, like a couple of them were living in Australia. One of them is, is Thai, like they're, mm -hmm. they're kind of from all over, but still, you know, Korean and they still identify with, with, you know, being Korean, but they were talking about how they like got into this program and then it was training and audition yeah. 24 hours a day. You all had to sleep communally. You couldn't have access to the outside world and that yeah. their whole lives are really regimented, right? Mm -hmm. Like military-esque. And, um, and, and that their personalities are kind of given to them. They kind of assign yeah. them and they're like, okay, well, you're going to be the cool girl and you're going to be the fashion mm -hmm. girl and you're going to be... It is literally the production of celebrities. The production. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which means yeah. that they know what the market wants. Like there is, which again, I think speaks to why these South Korean movies do so well for U.S. audiences or for Western audiences or for global audiences. Like, I don't know who's doing it or, or how they're doing it, but, but like to say that South Korea has its finger on the pulse of like the entertainment market, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I feel like it feeds into like, you know, like the whole, Asians look the same, Asians are like industrial machines, but kind of like flips it where like these, like a girl band might all have the same heels with different size heels. So they're all the same height and you know, mm. and their movements are so precise. It like, it's kind of like this sexual fantasy of having the exact Barbie doll all around you. You know what huh. I mean? And there's something, I mean, like we were talking about how in Train to Busan, you know, it's kind of showing off the technological advancement of Korea. Mm -hmm. Similarly, like I think some of these dancers are are in a way another technological achievement, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of scholarship has been done on like the Asian woman as kind of like like post-human tech kind of thing, you know what I mean? Or their portrayal. But that's what I thought was cool about the movie too, because of the aesthetics, because if you know we're gonna always paint Asian bodies as zombie hordes. Like this time, I feel like, especially in the beginning of the movie, the the zombie movements were almost like Michael Jackson thriller-esque, you know what I mean? Absolutely, they were mechanical, they were like, they were twitchy, they were 
all in these like formative shapes. Absolutely. They were, they were mm-hmm. very Michael Jackson thriller. Yeah, um, I think they were very like dance-esque, right? Yeah. They were choreographed, right? They looked mm-hmm. choreographed. The best Korea has to offer is shown in the movie, but the movie itself is part of that like cultural exportation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking at a picture now of one of the um, what are they called on trains? On a plane, it would be like a I guess the stewardess. Yeah. Same. Oh, same word. oh by the way, like Korean um, flight attendants and stewardesses and all that stuff, they're known for being like, I don't know. Can I say this? They're like they're known for being super hot. Like they, you, you say that. <laughs> I don't know, like objectifying, whatever, they know it. It's, they only hire very, you know how like back in the day, they would only hire like super attractive women. That Korea still has that going like really strong. Mm-hmm. You have to be very attractive in order to, and the people who work on planes and like people, the community knows that the Korean um, flight attendants are still like, they're held to that standard of the perfect, uh, scarf and everything like that you know what I mean yeah Again, yeah with like this like what is this freaking obsession with like the identical horde you know what I mean it's like zombies but also like aesthetic zombie horde you know yeah yeah that the well choreographed I mean it's it's the hive mind right I mean it's mm-hmm. the critique of of community mm-hmm. and uh, collectivism that you were talking about earlier they're mm-hmm. so collective that they're that they're choreographed right they're so collective mm-hmm. that they're of one singular mind mm-hmm. that they aren't individuals in any way right yeah so it's like that horde like fear portrayal of like the yellow horde right mm-hmm. it actually in this movie and in Korean culture, it's interesting because it's turned into aesthetic, you know, in K-pop and the flight attendants, the stewardesses, like in the um, movie, the male steward is like, oh, your your scarf is slightly off like where it's supposed to be. And she's like, oh, thank you very much, you know? Yeah, and there is something, I mean, I'd be, I'd be interested to know if you read it this way, but I think there's something in this movie about taking that you know this idea of if you're going to paint us as this this singular collective horde of threat then we're going to say fuck you Mm -hmm. and we're going to repackage that into this aesthetic choreographed you know well-oiled machine like we're going to to be the best of that that we can be and we're going to make you fucking love it yes yes I that's exactly what I think it is it's like a reclamation so it's like this movie that speaks so much to collectivism and comments on individualism but also it's like uses aesthetic for such interesting purposes yeah I'm looking so I'm watching a, a you know what I say gif I'm not saying gif it's not happening well if the first word is supposed to be graphics isn't it a gif you know what that's what I'm saying that's all I'm saying. You know, if you disagree with Leslie, send her hate mail. I'll say you her ad in three, two. You know what? Fucking dox me. No, don't, don't dox me. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but I'm watching this gif of the stewardess, you know, becoming a zombie. And just like the movements that she does, it's, it's a weird, like, simultaneously like she is, pocket. like, allowed to be hideous. Yeah. Because her face is like all zombified, right? And her hair is now undone and she's all bloody. So like on the one hand, she's now 
as a zombie allowed to be kind of ugly and not for your consumption. But at the same time, her movements are so precise and so like artistic. It looks like she is doing a, a segment from like a modern dance Mm-hmm. choreography mm-hmm. I think it shows off like in the art scene Koreans are very very proud of their singing and dancing skills again generalizations but whatever come at me but maybe it's also a commentary on the very very pristine face of Korea and the kind of this ugly underbelly maybe like or kind of the it shows how pristine the veneer must be, I guess. Maybe it's a comment on that because we're, we're talking right now about like the perfection of everything, you know, the sterileness almost, the sterile civility, right? And I think it is an interesting juxtaposition that you could say, offer some commentary, you know, this because, you know, you say like, oh, this is what Korea is. And yes, it's like the prettiest face of Korea you could see, but that's not all of Korea. Korea has so much problems, so many problems going on, you know? Yeah, and we have, you know, kind of unlike the whaling, which puts its problems off on this Japanese character, on this foreign mm-hmm. foreign uh, imperialist character. Instead, here, our antagonist, and even the zombie antagonists, are all also Korean, right? And part of the trouble that they get into comes from these rules of politeness and social mm-hmm. conduct that, like, people get infected because they're not willing to step out of line or say, hey, what's wrong with you? What's going mm-hmm. on, right? So I think I think there is, I think the movie is maybe in struggle with itself about yes. like how do I depict all of the aspects of, of Korean society, both the really good parts that are admirable and worthwhile and also the detriments of that and the ways mm-hmm. that we, we fail that. I love how you said that, um, how the movie struggles with itself, because I honestly, there's so many routes you can take where you're like thinking you would have come to a clear cut conclusion of like, this is the meaning of the movie, but then it goes in circles. And I think you're totally right, where it's more of a thought provoking thing. And it does struggle with itself. And maybe that, that in itself is a reflection of Korea. You solved it, Leslie. We've done it. North and South will be reunited. Oh, oh we God. finally solved the Korea crisis. Oh, oh thank my God. God. Everybody so have fun. a drink. <laughs> no, but Did I think you you're right. And I think, <laughs> but I think you're right. And I think that that is the mark of good narrative. And I think that that is the mark of good media or literature, right? Is a piece that like anyone can write something like an Aesop's fable where you, you, you go, you turn away and you say, okay, well, this is the moral so-and-so is good and such-and-such is bad. But here, to have a movie where there are good aspects and bad aspects, there are aspects of this that we find really appealing and aspects of this that we find kind of horrifying or off-putting, and the fact that it can read as so different to different audiences or even different individuals, I mean, that is a worthwhile... I mean, I think part of why this movie is so popular is because horror is such a familiar and trope-filled genre Mm -hmm. and this movie denies that right Mm -hmm. totally defies a lot of those tropes we have things that are familiar zombies zombies that are fast moving you know kind of the rules of infection but those are just the the precipitator of the real story right which is something else 
I guess I think I already went over this, but like I was reading a Korean American novel called The Surrendered by Chang Rae Lee, and um, they were talking about like getting on trains and the loss of limbs while on trains, and I just thought that was an interesting parallel because again, going from like trying to get as south as possible and. When I watched that movie, I just thought that was interesting. If I already went over that, I wanted to say this. Do you remember when we first met? I remember one of the first times we met, right? We were in a class together and I was talking about the movie Tusk. I want you to do a podcast on Tusk one day. You said that it was horrifying. I still can't get over it. You can't do a podcast with me because it scares me still. But I want you to do it. You Whoever can. is brave enough to speak to Leslie Leonard about Tusk, please, please do. The way you've talked about it has... I think about it all the time. Has scared me off of it, to be honest. All the time. But I think, you know, one thing that, that really... I think that this movie really does well is the setting. You know, not just it being a, a Korean movie. And not just it being about them fleeing north to south or fleeing Seoul, which is this huge city, to go to Busan, which is this mm -hmm. like now place of refuge. Um, but I think even just, you know, as we mentioned, like the fact that they have a country that has a developed public system, mm -hmm. right, for its citizens says a lot because the United States doesn't have anything like that, right? We we struggle to do the most basic of publicly centered measures, right? As we mm -hmm. as we've seen through this uh pandemic, we struggle to do anything for the public good, including basic things like public transportation. Mm -hmm. And of course scale matters a lot. The US is much larger and has a as a larger population that's more spread out. But I think the fact remains that even the setting of this taking place on a train says so much about you know these people and that mm -hmm. the train is 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 not a like it's not split up into at least i don't remember it being split up into like first class and and all of that no, I mean, it, no. but you know we have all of these different characters from all different ages and places and walks of life who mm -hmm. are all in this together because they constitute the public who the mm -hmm. public transportation system is made for like mm -hmm. there's just so much in here that really supports this idea of of community and of, of being responsible for one another and of self-sacrifice there are so many characters who end up sacrificing themselves and i think also horror movies make so much typically of death like the worst thing that can happen to you in a horror movie is that you die horribly Mm -hmm. And in this movie, there's still a fear of death and no one wants to die, but people are willing to over and over again for the sake of others, mm -hmm. which I think is a, a nice upending of, of that. Yeah, I would never, but good good for them. But good for them. So yeah, I would, I would, I would. So at the minute that someone said the word zombie outbreak, I'd be like, well, time to die. I would shove you in front of me. Feel free. Like, yeah. use me as a human shield because I do not want to live in a, then in a world with zombies. I would keep you. Oh, it's like a pet. Yes. Oh, you know, sweet. I actually, um, I had this conversation with Anthony. I was like, what would you do if um, I was zombified? And then 
I was like, would you kill me? Would you, what would you do? And he's like, I'd chain you up. <laughs> I have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just cut it at exactly. And, and then yeah, cut yeah, I will. <laughs> Other things yeah, in this I worthwhile think, or. I think there is um, um, a, a sequel. They're making a TV show. Really? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how that will will be if you look up train to busan the first Something thing like peninsula oh yeah oh yeah there is a sequel but if you look up train to busan the first um thing under people also ask is is train to busan a real story so <laughs> yes it is it's based so on i do i do worry about it is a real story you just forgot it yeah you get this the is joke, why you collective get the memory is so important yeah do you get the joke leslie because the korean war is called the forgotten war it super is it's a good joke it's a good joke it's okay yeah. Yeah. it's a good joke <laughs> um oh yeah one more thing just a tidbit right the girl begins talking with to her father in a formal Korean, but her mother in informal Korean. But at the end of the movie, she talks to her dad in informal Korean. See, that's the kind of thing that global audiences wouldn't pick up on, but that's such yeah. a good reflection of their relationship from like strangers to actual and father I thought and daughter. And the translations were pretty bad. Yeah, I thought the translation could be better because- um, Is there a lot that, that we miss out on through subtitles? Yeah. There is, and I think sometimes, I like it when it's like literal translations, when it's like, it's kind of like, oh, here's the gist of what is being said, but I like more literal translations, you know? Mm -hmm. The end. The end. No, I think that's super helpful, and and you know your zombie movies, right? Like... Yes. Um, if you like Asian reclamation of zombie stuff, why don't you read Severance by Ling Ma? Severance by Ling Ma. My students are reading it. Well, they were they were assigned it, so that's I guess that's two things. It's fabulous. Chinese oh, yeah, American about, yeah. zombie book. I thought about this movie a lot too when the pandemic started. Absolutely um, right. Yeah. So I there's a lot of things I think about. I've also told told Sean that I've been thinking a lot a lot about the Pledge of Allegiance, and I'll get into that in a private conversation with you. Interesting. I would love mm -hmm. to hear more about it. We're reading. So I'm teaching American literature before 1865, and there is a lot of, not a lot, but there is Chinese immigration kind of starting to happen at that time into Ooh, the U.S., yeah. and of course there's huge backlash to that, and this, I'm, I don't know, I, I think this movie, huh, you know, I, I'd be interested, do you think that, I don't know, do you think that like the consumption of Korean media like movies and K-pop and K-drama, like, do you think that that stuff helps reduce anti-Asian sentiment? Like you would think, right? Um, not to ever draw racial parallels, but it's kind of like, I hope it, it won't be kind of like, I love rap music, but I will never support Black Lives Matter, you know? That is exactly what I was thinking, right? Yeah. How, how easy it is for people to consume I mean, or even like, oh, I have a black wife, like mm -hmm. I can't be racist. And it's like, well, you can't just because you're consuming doesn't mean mm -hmm. that, that you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you would think, but, but yeah, I have, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that like yeah. the U.S. would be the number one consumer of 
Korean media and also have such deeply embedded like anti-Asian sentiment. Yeah, it's kind of like the time of BTS and the time of Asian hate, you know? Yeah, all at once. Hmm. Yeah, what a weird and uncomfortable relationship. I mean, do you think you see that relationship in this movie? That relationship of like, I think this relationship to globalization or, or to the world as like being consumed or I don't know. It's so interesting because I feel like a lot of the times like American movies are like talking about con- them being the consumers, right? A critique of American consumption, right? And I think in this way, it's, finally the reverse where it's like a critique of American like I'm saying the same thing the critique of American consumption from the Asian side you know Um, rather than the critique of American consumption of Chinese goods you know yeah yeah and not just like oh we Americans we consume too much stuff that's made from overseas is typically Mm -hmm. the like the American side of that and then the the side that we get here in something like Train to Busan would be here's what it feels like and looks like to be you know kind of consumed or to be forced into this weird relationship with with the world where like you have to to offer up and export this this particular thing yeah I don't know and all the stuff like the Burger King and the Mm -hmm. the gummy worms and everything it's very yeah, yeah It's purposeful, I think, you know? I, I would I would think even the, the baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they are baseball players. Yeah, in very like varsity jackets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think again, that goes a long way to endearing at least American audiences to these characters because mm-hmm. they may look, or, or white Americans, I guess, because they may look racially different and they may be speaking Korean, but... Like, oh, I'm a baseball player with a jacket that looks just like that. Like, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if there's... I think that sometimes, sometimes it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth where it's like, look, we're people too. Exactly. You know? No, mm-hmm. exactly. Right? Like that that is still the work that, that these, that media has to do is despicable right the Mm -hmm. fact that like someone has to watch a movie like this to finally be like wow koreans they're just like us Mm -hmm. like that is is horrifying like that's the real horror Mm -hmm. here right but yeah their children uh, cry and they make dirty jokes too yeah right like they have high schoolers who have crushes and they do all the normal things that like they worry about work and they eat burger king and Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely the fact that it has to be conscious of that is is really worrying. But again, it handles it in a really good way, I think. Yeah, but there is so many layers to the horror because I look at some of their faces and I'm like, wow, they really cherry picked a lot of people who fit Western ideals of beauty. So isn't that a horror in itself too? Because let's choose the most, westernly aesthetically pleasing people make them eat hamburgers and say I too am person you know right yeah how can we pick the the whitest looking Korean women in order to Mm. yeah right 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 I think there is certainly a lot here that that could easily be missed if if you're Mm -hmm. just interacting with it as like your run-of-the-mill zombie movie Mm -hmm interesting it's like we're talking about consumption it's like being palatable for the American palate you know yeah yeah 
And I think there's even maybe something there when it comes to like, what are zombies if not like consumption machines? Like that's Mm -hmm. all they do, right, is eat. So I don't know. I, I mean, even I think there's a connection between like letting them be the consumers for once, right? Mm-hmm. Like not like, of course, in the past, Asian zombies have been like the threat, but letting Asian zombies be like the ones consuming and, and the ones kind of, I don't know. I, I, I see what you're talking about. Like for once, it's not like a critique of like American consumption of foreign goods, but it's a critique of it's finally seeing globalization from non-white eyes, I guess, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this was a good and productive conversation. Yeah. Wait, my dog wants to say hi. Say hi on the podcast, Minka. Do you hear her? She's smiling. Hi, Minka. Do you think they hear her smiling? I think they hear her smiling in their spirits, yeah. Oh, good. Um, Leslie's partner called my dog gray and i'm gonna put formaldehyde in his food you're welcome to it you're welcome to <laughs> it. i love him dearly but you know what he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have smack talked my girl so <laughs> um so thank you for spending time with us today on the future of fright if you'd like to contribute to the show with suggestions or as a potential guest for it, please comment or message angela have you changed your mind about where people can find you or do you still want to be a, a specter my address is no okay anyway <laughs> you can follow us on twitter at future fright and until next week stay scared